Hello, everyone, and welcome to Sci-Fi Unchained. Really quick, I wanted to invite you all to join our social media just to keep up to date on any channel announcements, as well as our Patreon page, Sci-Fi Unchained Stories, where you can find tons of exclusive content, such as science fiction short stories, science fiction treatises, concept art, videos from old episodes. So if you enjoy the show, hop on over and support the channel. It'll create a whole bunch of new and exciting opportunities. Thank you guys so much for your avid listenership and support. Now enjoy the show. All right, let's get into it. Bad Batch Episode 7. First off, this episode was a big leg up from the previous episodes. The, the last two. So we joined the Batch as it returns from a job they did for Sid where they stole a lizard dog thing and they get paid barely any credits because Sid is docking them for supplies and docking fees uh, <laughs> as well as Wrecker and Omega's adorable sibling sweet tooth habit where, <laughs> where they get something called Mantel Mix which looks like candy coated popcorn and apparently they've they've gotten 280 credits worth of of this which is a, a lot it looks like judging by the portion that they get and um yeah that, that's just adorable and uh, sig gives the tab to hunter and he's like the hell is all this <laughs> it's all those hidden fees man they'll get you every time uh this is also the episode where we get rex's first appearance and I knew it was going to be Rex whenever I first saw him because he did not speak at all until he removes his hood. If he had spoken whenever those two bar dwellers had bowed up to him, then we would have known right away who it was. Right? And you can kind of tell who it is in the second shot that he's in because you can see the blue and white of his armor. So, oh, of course, it's Rex. No huge reveal there. Um, so, Rex and the Batch catch up on, um, you know, everything that happened, Order 66. Um, they ask Rex where he's been. He's like, oh, that's a long story. So... Rex also becomes very on edge when he learns that the batch haven't removed their inhibitor chips and you can see him reach for the back of his uh, holster to, to get his pistol. Oh, also before that Omega says that he's a generation one just by studying his face for a hot minute. It's another one of those moments that the writers dropped in the show to allude to Omega having some sort of force sensibility or maybe it's just because, again, like, she's been working in a lab her whole life and she's been staring at these clones and their, their charts and their chips and all this data her entire life, right? So it's, it's another one of those moments that the writers drop on us to, to kind of be like, is she or isn't she? Ooh. <laughs> um, so Hunter is able to talk Rex down 
and convince them that they're not a threat. Uh, but he, Rex has that reaction because Wrecker has these huge bad headaches and he he calls them ticking time bombs, which, of course, we find out later on in the episode is pretty light foreshadowing there uh, because we kind of knew that we were going to get Wrecker going ballistic. So Rex directs them to the planet Braca. It's a scrap planet run completely by the Scrappers Guild that we also see in Jedi Fallen Order with Cal Kestis. Uh, Rex brings them there to access the medical facilities on one of the crashed Venator-class Jedi cruisers used in the Clone Wars to remove their chips. Interesting bit about this is I believe this is the first time that we see the ships actually be referred to by their class, by their classification. It is a Venator-class uh, cruiser. It's not really a Star Destroyer. Like it's a it's a pre-Star Destroyer model. The, in the same way that the Acclimator class was not necessarily a Star Destroyer, uh, the Acclimator and the Venator were kind of the the pre-Star Destroyer models. First we get is the Victory One, right? And of course, then the Imperial One. Um, also, this is the. <laughs> This episode has a good bit of humor in it, and of course it's centered around Wrecker, where they're going through this wreckage, and they have to get across this chasm. Rex gets across with this wire, and Wrecker, of course, has to climb across it, and as soon as he puts his full weight on it, it bounces a good six feet downwards, <laughs> and, and then uh, somebody says, Wrecker, hurry up. He's like, why? And it immediately snaps <laughs> and he falls and he gets attacked by this Rathtar looking tentacle monster thing. I don't know what it is with this Disney Star Wars and putting tentacle monsters in their properties. It was a Rathtar. It's whatever this thing was. It's whatever Saw Gerrera had to, to interrogate uh, the the defector imperial pilot um but i, I don't know if i like it <laughs> i i don't know if i like the the reliance on the on the wiggly tentacle creature things so we we get some good lighthearted humor with that and that's that's very fun so of course this is the episode where wrecker snaps and his chip takes over, <laughs> causing him to turn on his squad mates. Now, Wrecker very much reminds me of the meta from Red vs. Blue by Rooster Teeth. Uh, an overly large and almost unstoppable killing machine that is capable of taking down elite fighters in a terrifying fashion. Uh, if you haven't seen the later seasons of red versus blue please go and do that uh like well i say later like mid to late uh, really seasons six through ten is is where we mostly get the meta anyway getting off track but uh yeah he's just 
picking apart his squad mates who, to be fair, are not trying to kill him. They're just trying to stun him and incapacitate him. Um, oh, yeah. <laughs> Hunter also has a line to Omega that to me is this very big foreshadowing of him dying at some point and dying in a very tragic and self-sacrificing style uh, to maybe save the batch or save Omega. He says, you're stuck with us for the long haul, kid. I'm like, come on. <laughs> but, of course, this is further cementing the feeling of camaraderie and family amongst Omega and the batch and uh, Hunter, Wrecker, Tech, and Echo as her sort of big brothers. And, of course, they eventually all subdue Wrecker uh, while he's trying to kill Omega with his Lego-looking gun. And Rex is able to stun him in the back. And they all get their chips out. The episode ends with Rex telling Hunter that they aren't out of the fight yet, that they took an oath to defend the citizens of the Republic, and that they must now do so against the Empire. We also see a couple of scrappers from the Scrappers Guild. They spot Rex and Hunter and immediately go to alert the Empire of their presence there. I thought, okay, let me let me back up a little bit. I thoroughly enjoyed this episode, uh, especially more than the previous two. It was more exciting, plot-driving, dangerous, threatening to our main characters in a lot of ways, uh, which I love to see in shows like Bad Batch and Clone Wars, and I really hope we get to see more of Crosshair and the, the storyline involving the Empire in these next upcoming episodes. I would imagine so because the batch is getting reported to the empire and I mean, who are they going to send to hunt them down? Crosshair, of course. So we, and I, I also hope that because we haven't seen much of either in the past few episodes, uh, we don't know anything. They could have made these episodes 10 minutes longer and added in those storylines. They really, they, they should have. They, they have all the money in the world. They have, they have had all the time in the world. It's, it's not like they're on this super strict timeline or budget. I mean, they opened up the season with a 71-minute stinking episode. Now... All, I, all the episodes don't need to be 71 minutes, but the show certainly warrants at least a full 30-minute episode of full content, not just 20, 23 minutes plus end credits, because the end credits end up being like five to seven minutes, and it's total BS. But it's it's a criticism about the show that I've agreed with, that the show is getting shorter and shorter. If you look at the episodes... They, what this past one and the one before it have been 20, 23 minutes, maybe. But that's probably the most disappointing thing is how, how they've chosen to, you know, shorten the episodes. I, I very much don't like that. 
But this episode does make me very hopeful for the subsequent episodes uh, in that there now seems to be less of a obstacle for the batch with their inhibitor chips, which to me seems like they got rid of and overcame pretty stinking quickly. I, I thought it was going to be a huge deal, <laughs> a, a much larger obstacle for them to overcome. It really wasn't. They overcame it pretty quickly. So I guess now they can get to business and uh, working for Sid and uh, evading the Empire and their bounty hunters, keeping Omega safe and figuring out, you know, what to do with the rest of their lives, I guess, because they they just had their entire purpose taken away from them. And uh, I, I suppose that's a big part of the story now is them trying to figure out, well, what's our purpose now? It was fighting to protect the Republic, but now the Republic is gone and it's replaced by this evil empire wanting to give everybody social security numbers. So, <laughs> um, I think they'll have an episode like that at some point where they'll, they'll have this mid clone life crisis <laughs> where they'll just kind of look around and go, why am I here? <laughs> and I, I think that, that's where they'll be like, oh, yeah, we got to take care of the kid. <laughs> so Omega will become much more of a focal point than she already is for, for the squad, which is okay. It's fine. It's it's a formula that Disney Star Wars has been using over and over again, right? Uh, Clone Wars, Mandalorian, Rebels, they all center around, you know, uh, a kid and a mentor or a group of mentors and their, their growth and their journeys, which is just one aspect that George chose to focus on in uh, not only the original trilogy, but the prequels as well. It, albeit it's a huge one. Um, and in it, it was not only, the student and mentor story, but it was a story about families as well. But he had all of these other elements to his storytelling also, which I think to me, the Mandalorian showcases incredibly well. Um, not just the family or the student mentor um, part of the story, but all of, all of the other, tasteful elements, right? The, the Western meets futuristic sci-fi look, um, sort of, um, mixing the, the man with no name and, and <laughs> all of this weird intergalactic, uh, political cultural fallout. It was probably the best I've seen it done. From, Dis from Disney Star Wars, which I know isn't saying much, but it's done it so well <laughs> that I can't, I kind of can't really complain. And I really can't complain about Bad Batch either. There are aspects about it that 
I would like to be a little bit different, but that's neither here nor there. So that's all I have for right now, guys. Uh, thank you so much for tuning back in and stick around for more Sci-Fi Unchained. But for now, live long and prosper, my friends, and may the Force be with us all.